For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. Debate will soon begin on a fifth COVID-19 relief package. In this aid package, the New York State AFL-CIO is calling on our federal government to put workers first, which means keeping us safe on the job, protecting our pensions, and flexible funding for state and local governments hit hard by this health crisis. Joining me on the line to discuss the federal government's role in all of this is Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. Senator Gillibrand, welcome to the Union Strong podcast. Thank you, Darcy. It's a pleasure to be on. So we're living in an extraordinary time of crisis, the likes of which many of us have never seen before. So with that in mind, I wanted to start by just hearing your thoughts as you get up and approach each day. You know, uh, because New York is the epicenter of the crisis, I've talked to a lot of New Yorkers and our stakeholders, our union leaders, our heads of food banks and homeless shelters and domestic violence shelters and mayors and county execs. And I can tell you, people are struggling and they're really suffering. So many people have died already. So many people are unemployed. So many people have really begun to feel a hopelessness because they're home and they're isolated. But for every very sad call I have, I have another that's deeply inspiring. And what we've seen out of this moment is extraordinary courage uh, for our first responders, our nurses, our doctors, our EMTs, our healthcare workers, our home health aides, our grocery store workers, our pharmacy workers, our food producers. They're showing up every day and they are doing everything in their ability to protect and save lives. And they inspire me every day because they, they are so resilient. They don't give up. They are committed to helping others, and I hope they stand as a bright light for all of New York to know we have brave heroes among us who never give up and will always serve us and fight to protect us. So I have to say, despite the tragedy, I have seen enormous um, inspiration out of very brave people. And it is a true reminder to all of us of who we rely on to keep this country going. It's certainly, you know, the working people. It's it's those frontline workers and it's not the CEOs and corporations. It's it's working men and women who are often lowest paid and who are often communities from communities of color. So you, you have to really recognize that who is bearing the brunt of this crisis. And it tends to be our lowest paid workers, which makes it that much more important that we figure out how to reform this economy and rebuild it in a very different way. So true. So here in New York State, we've suffered severely with an alarming number of deaths and hospitalizations. As you know, unemployment continues to skyrocket, a massive budget deficits looming as the state grapples with the enormous financial impact due to this pandemic. So with that in mind, what are you most focused on for this next stimulus package? I have a few priorities. Uh, First, we do need money into our state, our localities, our tribal governments. We have to be able to have resources to fill these massive revenue gaps that every city and state has across the country. And that's absolutely vital for New York. Uh, I really want to prioritize our workers, our families, our hospitals, small businesses, healthcare providers. And there's a couple of policy areas where I've really been pushing hard on. National paid leave. We want to have universal paid leave. Our second bill out of Washington only covered 25% of workers. All workers should have up to three months paid 
so they can stay home with a child whose school is closed, so they can stay home with a loved one who's sick, or care for themselves if they're sick. So if we had had paid leave in place for this crisis, it would have been so much easier to manage because everyone could have stayed employed and been home for three months and still received their pay. And we could have funded that. And that would have been simple and elegant, and no one would have lost their health care. And we'd have a lot more stability in the economy. So that's priority one, as well as universal sick days. The sad story we've heard over and over again is that so, so many of these critical workers are low income and have no sick days, not one sick day. And if they're sick, they're still showing up to that processing plant or to that uh, pharmacy or that grocery store and doing their jobs and have no relief unless they want to lose their job. And so that's horrible, especially during a pandemic like this. So we need universal sick days. I've created a bill to create a health force, something like people who are in AmeriCorps or um, public servants who are doing uh, the needs of the country. We want to create a, a million person health force whose job it is to do all the testing that's needed, all the contact tracing that's needed, and eventually the the vaccinations that will be needed to get us back up and running. We can train that health force in the next two months so they're up and running so that when we begin to open up the economy, we have universal testing guaranteed. And then last, um, I created an idea for how we can shore up the post office. Uh, we want to make sure that it's available and, and driving by November so they can do vote-by-mail elections because we're gonna, we may well need it if COVID is still among us. And the best way to shore it up is to create postal banking, which we used to have during the Depression and straight through to the 60s, where we were able to have bank accounts for low-income workers, uh, savings accounts, checking accounts, uh, micro-lending, um, mortgages, just basic banking that people need that don't get offered by the big banks if you're a low-income worker. So those are some things that I'm really hoping to get in this next bill, along with some money for food stamps, because, again, so many people are still hungry because they don't, they can't work, they don't have money to buy food, and our food banks are really overstretched. And we hear, you know, here in New York about all the concerns with the budget cuts uh, that could, you know, are looming if there isn't funding and flexible funding, including even for our schools. And and I just wonder with this next stimulus package, you know, how optimistic are you that that will be there and also for investing in infrastructure? So interestingly, I think infrastructure is one of the most bipartisan ideas. Uh, but today, uh, Mitch McConnell said he didn't want to include infrastructure in the package, which just seems backwards. Even Trump is for infrastructure, which is shocking. And infrastructure is a way to put people back to work. Uh, anyone who's unemployed or under, underemployed can be trained in the building instruction trade, in uh, the apprenticeship programs that labor offers in almost every profession. Uh, that would create a whole new generation of workers who have labor protections and skills to be able to rebuild America. So I think infrastructure should very much be part of it. Um, I also think that um, some of the stuff that uh, McConnell's pushing against uh, is is not good. I mean, we're we're still fighting about uh, whether we should have safety for workers and protocols for workers. They want uniform liability. So I'm very worried about that. So I'm working on that issue right now. Well, I was going to ask you about that with the safety of workers. You know, plans are being made how to reopen businesses, and you still have many essential workers that never left their workplace still in need of protective equipment and those safety protocols on the job sites. So what do you say to workers concerned about their safety? Well, 
well, they have every right to be concerned. And it's outrageous that companies are reopening without a plan. So I am working with Senator Baldwin on a bill called the Every Worker Protection Act. And that bill would require OSHA, Occupation Safety and Health Administration, to issue an emergency temporary standard within seven days to protect healthcare workers, other employees from exposure to coronavirus that causes COVID-19, followed by a final rule. So I think we have to have that emergency temporary standard in place before we can open schools, before we can open commerce. I mean, it's, it's outrageous that McConnell and others want to just open up state by state and have no standards. You, they're just begging for another round of COVID-19 and it's going to be harsh and people are going to die and it's going to harm people's willingness to go outside and do stuff, uh, go shopping, go to stores that aren't essential. Like people just aren't going to want to do it. And so they're just really foolish. That's why I think the universal testing is so necessary to open back up. And it's why we have to have emergency temporary standards. Another area of concern is um, our pensions, ensuring earned pensions are protected. Will that be a priority for this next round of funding? Well, I think we have to protect workers' pensions. Um, McConnell made a stupid comment uh, a couple weeks ago where he said he'd rather let states go bankrupt go bankrupt than get another infusion of money. I mean, that's a direct attack on union contracts and public sector pensions. Uh, because if you let a state like New York go bankrupt, well, think about all those state workers and all those pensions that will be crushed. I mean, beyond mm-hmm. crushed. So it's not right. And hopefully he's off that. And I think he's most recently said he's open to relief from the state. So I'm hoping that can be part of the package. Um, Beyond that, we also have to help our multi-employer pensions that are already hurting. Uh, If we can bail out Wall Street, we could certainly help these pensions. And my number one priority is making sure that the retirees living on pension Social Security alone get made whole if they receive any benefit cuts. It's really that simple. And I know uh, on a a personal note, you know, you're a mom, you've got two kids. What do you uh, say to them throughout this? They must be having a million questions, I'm sure, and are concerned about the future. What do you you say to your kids? Well, you know, Henry's 11 and Theo's 16. And, you know, children are struggling just to be able to do remote learning effectively. It's hard. And I just love our teachers now more than ever because they just literally have sacrificed everything and have so much patience and are so wonderful. We should be paying them double or triple what they get paid. Um, and I think every parent in America shares my views at this point. So they're really struggling in their own lives just how to be students and how to be kids. They don't get to go play with friends. They don't get to do their sports. They don't get to do the things that make their life fun and diverse and well-rounded. And I'm worried because it's drawing more kids just into computers and online. And so the only playtime they have is online gaming with friends, which, you know, at least they're doing it with friends, but it's not the same. And so I'm worried about physical fitness. I'm worried about mental health. I'm worried about um, being able to uh, build resilience. Um, they don't mind being on the computer all day long, but I can tell you every parent minds it and we're very stressed out about it. And all those other things kids used to do, go to school, go to lunch, have recess, you know, do sports after school, that's all eliminated. And it's going to harm the well-being and health of our children. Um, the We are very blessed. Uh, we've not had a loved one in our family who has passed because of COVID-19. 
but we do have elderly grandparents and we worry about them every day. Um, and so, you know, it's just a stress. It's, a, it's an increased anxiety that every family in America is facing. And for those who have already lost loved ones, it's devastating. And to not be able to be with a, a parent or a grandparent who's in a assisted living facility, to not be able to see them, to not be able to be with them when they're ill is, is so heartbreaking. And I have a lot of girlfriends that I talk to a lot about their parents and most of them are in assisted living facilities and are weathering the storm alone. So it's, it's hard. And I think for kids, we won't really know the impact uh, for a while, but I think it is deeply affecting them. And then just your final thoughts for just working people trying to envision our lives after this pandemic. So the challenge is we don't know what, what the economy will look like when we emerge. We don't know what industries will survive and we'll find a different business plan and a different business model. And so there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, but one thing that I'm certain of is we must reimagine our economy to have much stronger social safety nets. We have to recognize that if we had had paid leave, uh, a generous unemployment uh, insurance benefit, if we had universal sick days, if we had health care as a right, our economy and our communities would be so much stronger today. Uh, we would be able to be more resilient. We would have had backstops in place. People wouldn't be fearful of tomorrow. And so I hope we take this pandemic and understand it is something we need to build against and we need to actually create more resiliency in the economy with these very effective safety nets. So we have to build those. And I believe that uh, New Yorkers can lead the way. We are a very strong and resilient people. We survived 9-11. We survived uh, the Great Recession. We have endured a lot of ups and downs in our economy over the decades. And we are inventive. We are entrepreneurs. We are tough. So I believe New Yorkers will lead the way. And I believe that labor can lead the way. Because they know that having these basic benefits makes all the difference. That's why people want to be part of a union. They want to know they have health care benefits, retirement benefits. They want to know they're being paid fairly for their work. Every worker should have that, that benefit, every single worker in America. So if we don't understand that it's our responsibility to build back stronger, then we've missed the entire lesson of this moment that we were not prepared and we did not have the safety nets in place that were necessary to weather the storm as effectively as we could have. So I hope we can have strong vision and strong determination to rebuild better. And I know that we will. And you're so right what you say about unions, especially in times like this. It's to finally uh, give people that voice that they need on the job. It's so important. So, Senator Gillibrand, on behalf of Mario Salento, the president of the New York State AFL-CIO, I want to thank you for joining us on the Union Strong podcast. And I hope that you and your family stay healthy and stay safe. Thank you, Darcy. Be well. And my blessings to everyone. Joining me on the line now is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. This is still getting used to uh, this doing things this way, isn't it? I'm here in the studio by myself. Um, you're right at home right now and um, still haven't been able to see each other other than a Zoom here or there. 
Yep, but it feels like uh, day 684 of quarantine. <laughs> it sure does. So the senator was, uh, you know, we were talking about the next stimulus package and, and what she would like to see in it. We have our own um, layout of what we would like to see. And um, people can take a look at that right on our website at nysaflcio.org. And and uh, you've got some things set up digitally so that people can help for us to um, to make sure that Congress knows what it is that we want. Absolutely. People can take uh, action on their cell phone by texting CARES and the number 2, CARES2, to 877-877, and we will connect you directly with your congressperson. Uh, We have a message that you can uh, tell them about supporting labor's priorities. You can also find the list of priorities at nysaflcio.org slash CARES2. Right. Um, So that would be helpful, too. People can look through it first and, um, you know, they'll see these important things we're laying out that really should that has to be included in this package. And it'll help them have that conversation with their member of Congress. Absolutely. And we need those conversations to take place because uh, there is still resistance in Congress, like the senator was saying. Mm -hmm. So we need as many people as possible to take action. Another way that you can help spread the word is wherever you're listening to this program, go on and subscribe. And give us a rating on Apple, on Google, uh, on Podbean, Spotify. Uh, click the like, click the subscribe, and give us a rating on the podcast. Very good. Right. Raises, makes more people aware that we're out there and, and we're um, giving uh, working men and women this voice. So that would be very helpful. Okay. Well, it was good to talk to you again, Kevin. And uh, you sound healthy and strong. So that's good. Uh, stay safe. You too, Darcy. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State Union strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.